this one doesn't it look great uh, certainly live, uh, looks like Jesus is alive today and you know I appreciate uh, all the time that you put into it it's it's beautiful you know I heard a, a story about a man who went on vacation uh, in Israel with his family uh, his mom and his kids and his mother-in-law and uh, apparently sometimes his mother-in-law could be a little difficult maybe a little naggy uh, well while they were in the Holy Land uh, his mother-in-law passed away suddenly and uh, they were trying to figure out what to do with the body, so he contacted a local mortician and asked uh, about what, what to do. And he said, well, sir, uh, you can have the body shipped home for $10,000, or you can have her buried here in the Holy Land for $500. And he thought about it for a minute, and, and then he said, I think we're going to have her shipped home for $10,000. And the mortician was a little surprised by that. I mean... In fact, he actually asked, sir, um, if, if you can pay $10,000 to have your mother-in-law shipped home or only pay $5,000 to have her buried here, why would you have her shipped home? And he said, well, he said, a long time ago, there was a man who was buried in the Holy Land, and, and three days later, he rose again, and I just can't risk that. And... Uh, <clears throat> uh, all of you mother-in-laws, I'm sorry I told you that joke. That was terrible. And Dorothy, my mother-in-law, uh, you are awesome. And uh, one of my heroes, and I'm sorry I said that as well, but I did have fun. So, hey, we can't ignore the resurrection. Such a powerful moment in history and such a powerful moment for our lives. It changed human history, and it can literally change your history uh, for all eternity. I was... I was talking with a person a couple of months ago, and uh, you know, a little older person like me, and uh, I was able to kind of move the conversation toward uh, you know, our lives and, and what will happen after we die. And I was a little su surprised by his response. He, he actually said to me, well, I, I don't believe uh, anything will happen after I die. He, he said, I believe when you die, you just that's the end you cease to exist and I said really and he said yeah I you know I, I just believe uh you know, I don't believe in a spirit I don't believe in a soul I, I just believe we're a body with a mind and our emotions but uh you know he'd looked at life uh completely from a I guess you'd say a materialistic or a biological point of view uh, and so actually his last response is, yeah, kind of like the animals, you just cease to exist. And I don't know what you think about animals, and I know you love your animals, and so I don't know what happens after they die, so I'm not going to go there. But to be honest, I was a little shocked, because I, I don't talk to a lot of people that, that think that way in the day we live. But, but that kind of thinking has been around for a long time. In fact, 400 years before Jesus walked on this earth. There was a Greek philosopher, you're probably familiar with him. His name is Socrates. Maybe you heard about him in high school or in college, but the story goes that Socrates drank the poison hemlock and lay down to die. <clears throat> There's a whole story around that, but anyway. Uh, you know, one of his disciples, when he was lying there, came and asked, shall we live again? And Socrates reply, replied, I hope so. But no man can know. What a sad thought. No man could really know. You know, in the book of Job, the oldest book in the Bible, in the Old Testament, Job asked the question, if a man dies, does he go on living? 
That's a huge question. In fact, that's a huge question even in the 21st century. Uh, is there life beyond the grave? And, and if there is, um, do I have any say in, in where I'll spend my life uh, for all eternity? Uh, well, I've asked a friend to come and share a little bit about an experience he had. Many of you know Ron Matchett here in the life of our church. About seven years ago, uh, he actually had a cardiac event and ended up dying three times. And before I tell his story, I'm going to invite him to come up and share with us this morning. So will you welcome him? Good morning. Yeah, uh, in 14 days, it'll be seven years and seven months since I died and was resurrected. Not in the manner that Jesus was, but I, it was a death and a, and a coming back to life. Um, what happened was, it was just a normal work day, and I was extremely busy that day. Uh, maybe had a little too much caffeine during the day, but... Um, I, as soon as work was over, I worked a little late that day and went to home group and joined my wife and others at the, at the home group and then went home. And at the time, two of my daughters were living with us, uh, Mary and Sarah. And so everybody was home and Janelle, my wife, was getting ready for bed. And what happened was uh, my daughter uh, and I were, Mary, and I were watching TV and she came out from the kitchen and said, look at this little cheesy thing I created. And I go, oh boy, that looks good. I'm going to go make one for myself. So I went into the kitchen to make it, and that's the last thing I remember. So what happened was I had fallen over flat on my back on the kitchen floor and died of a cardiac arrest. Cardiac arrest is when the, the blood in your heart has nowhere to go. It just goes within itself and doesn't go out to your body and your heart just does this, and then you die. It's sudden death. So uh, my wife, uh, Mary said, Dad, are you okay? Because she heard um, the big kerplunk on the floor, and I didn't answer, and then she said, Dad? And at that point, my wife, who was in the back bedroom, had suspected something, so she came out. And so they both saw me on the floor gasping for breath, trying to come back to life. And so my wife that year had taken two cardi, uh, uh, CPR um, courses, so she knew exactly what to do. She handed the phone to my daughter. She called 911 while Janelle worked on me for 12 minutes. The ambulance was on another call, the one that was closest to us, so they had to send one a little further away. So it took 12 minutes of her working on me on the kitchen floor. My other daughter, Sarah, was saying, go mom, go, and coaching her along and, you know, keeping her steady on me. And so that kept me alive. And by the time the paramedics came, they shocked my heart and got me going again. And then by the time they took me into the ambulance, I died again in the driveway. And then they shocked me again, brought me to the hospital, and I died again, and they shocked me and brought me back to life. So I didn't wake up for three days later. Uh, no relation to the event that took place in with Jesus, but it was a, you know it was a Wednesday night, and I woke up Friday morning. Um, my only memory was of me being in our driveway and seeing our neighbor come over from her house, and she was uh, 
hugging my daughter who was crying. And then I felt myself kind of go black, but I was in the kitchen, kind of through the wall, I guess, into the kitchen above, and I had felt the peace of God like I've never felt before. And it was so peaceful, I can't even describe it. And I remember thinking to myself, now how am I going to explain this to everybody? So apparently I knew that I had died, but I, I didn't know quite what had happened. And then I could literally feel my body turn and go down, and then that was the last of my memory. So uh, when I woke, so, so part of the, the thing that was happening in the kitchen at that time, though, was the paramedics were trying to bring me back to life, and it was traumatic for everybody watching, because here's my body fighting to live, and they're shocking me, and I bite my tongue, and there's blood, and, and everybody's all, oh, they're all traumatized. But me, my spirit is experiencing just peace. I'm just laying there, just experiencing peace. So death for me was different than all around me. For everybody around me, it was traumatic. And we know that death is not normal. It's normal biologically, but it's not something that um, God intended for us to experience. And so sin is what brought death. And, you know, God's put eternity on our hearts. And deep in our, sp in our spirit, we know that, that we are supposed to live in eternity with God, worshiping him and serving him. So, yeah, it's traumatic to, to watch somebody uh, dying. So when I woke up in the hospital, I spent a few hours talking with people, and then I asked my daughter when I was alone with her, I said, Mary, was there a point where our neighbor was in the driveway facing the street and you were facing the garage and she was crying, or you were crying? And her eyes got real wide and said, Dad, you were in the kitchen being worked on when that was happening. So when I got out of the hospital, 11 days later, I, I went over to our neighbor and I asked her husband, I said, hey, did you see her in the driveway and doing this? And he said, oh yeah, I was a little late coming out of the house, but by the time I came out of the house, she was already in the driveway and they were hugging and, and, cry, and Mary was crying. And so he saw it from one angle, and I saw it from a different angle. So that confirmed to me that I had experienced, experienced that. And so it was, I think for me, the takeaway is I, I not only realize that there is incredible peace of God when you die, and, and you don't, your body dies, but your spirit doesn't. I'm not afraid of death anymore at all. I, I don't fear it. Um, I don't want to die. I mean, I, don't, I have lots I want to do and, and things to see on Netflix. And I, anyway, no, but I do have, a, I don't want to uh, bring trauma to people around me or sadness or whatever. And people have said to me, boy, you know, God must not be finished with you. And the thing is, is he's not finished with any of us because we're all here. And since we're all still alive, we have lots to do for the Lord. And uh, God is loving, and he is full of grace, but he's also the Ancient of Days, and he has a right on our lives. And, 
he does love you, and he, he wants us to serve him and love him. And he has made that possible through his death and resurrection. I want to read this scripture from 1 Corinthians 15, 55 through 57. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Ron. That's awesome. I'll tell you, the first time I, I uh, heard that story, I was just, just stunned with the reality of, of, of life after death. Uh, the fact that uh, we do die, but we're still alive. And I, I, I don't know what you were thinking as Ron was sharing uh, the idea of him hovering there looking down in the driveway, even though they were working on his body uh, in the kitchen is, is, is pretty amazing to me. Maybe that helps you think a little bit more about this life and how important it is. Or maybe it, thinks, it helps you think a little bit more about eternity and, and what that is going to be like. But it says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 24, it says, All flesh is like grass, and its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And you know, that is so true. Our life is so temporary, and it's over on this earth in just a moment, but, but we're going to last forever. We're going to live forever, and of course, that's what makes the resurrection of Jesus Christ so powerful, and it's so important. It's the foundation of everything we believe as followers of Jesus Christ. And You know, one of the things I've been watching in society over the last several years is, is just the changes that are happening uh, morally, and, and even spiritually uh, among the church and uh, people who would think that they're part of the kingdom of God. We, we live in a very pluralistic society. And, and what I mean by that is uh, tolerance is literally the highest value in our culture today. Higher than Jesus, uh, higher than Jesus' death on the cross for our sins, higher than the resurrection. Uh, tolerance is an exalted value in the culture we live in today. And the idea of making room for all people, uh, the way they think, the way they believe, and the lifestyles they choose. And spiritually, there's a, a huge shift happening even in, among people who say they're followers of Jesus Christ. I mean, if you want to be a part of the in crowd right now, if you want to be modern, you want to be contemporary, and, and you want to be accepted by everyone in all of their circles, then you need to have a theology that's inclusive. You need to have a theology that thinks all roads lead to God, that it doesn't really matter what you believe as long as you're sincere, or that all religions are essentially the same anyway, so it really doesn't matter. And I, I just want to ask, is that true? Have you read anything about some of the other uh, religions in the world? I'm, I'm not trying to be critical here. There's some, some good things, certainly some good teaching or good ideas probably in all the different religions. But can I just talk briefly about a few? Okay, let's talk about Buddhism a little bit. If you're a Buddhist, first of all, you don't believe in a God. And, and, and Buddhism doesn't believe in any type of final existence. Buddhism believes in countless rebirths. And eventually, you hope to end the cycle when you reach some higher level of existence different than, of course, your current state today. Now, Hinduism, 
uh, is a little different than Buddhism. They do believe in a God, but he's not personal. He's not caring. And you have to approach him uh, through idols or statues, through chants and meditation and prayer. And one of the things you'll discover about both Buddhism and Hinduism is they offer no forgiveness, no mercy, or, or, or grace. Uh, in fact, uh, there's no supernatural help at all in either one of those religions, only karma, which basically means if you cut some off, someone off on the highway someday, then someone's going to cut you off because you're going to get what you deserve. And you know, Some of you might remember when Kobe Bryant uh, passed away, uh, sadly, with his daughter a couple of months ago in a, a horrible helicopter crash. And I think there was, there was a, a coach and his wife and his a daughter as well, part of the basketball team. They were headed to a, a basketball game. It was a tragic accident. And, and someone uh, from the culture that believes in karma said that that happened as a result of karma. In other words... Kobe Bryant got what he deserved is really the bottom line and they suggested a potential affair that he'd had one time in his life and I think, I think the world was shocked a little bit at the thinking behind that religion but the religions of this world aren't anything like uh, our, our faith in Jesus Christ. If you're a Muslim, you certainly believe in a, a personal God. His name is Allah and your standing with him is based entirely on your good works and your effort and your prayers. And in fact, the highest good work that you could do uh, to please Allah would, would be to become a martyr for your faith, which usually involves the taking of other people's lives from other faiths with a, a, a suicide bomb or something like that. And I realize that's an extreme form of the Muslim faith, but nevertheless, it's, it's very real. And if you're into New Age, and of course many people in the United States here are into New Age, uh, if you're into New Age, then there's no real God. In fact, basically, if you, if you look at it closely, you yourself are the, are the God because you are pursuing your own enlightenment and you are following different uh, spirit guides of your choosing. In other words, the ones that you want to follow, and you can even name those guides. You can have names for the different spirit guides that are speaking to you. And if you want to include Jesus Christ in that list, you can include him, but you certainly don't bow down to him and, and, and worship him as Lord and, uh, of heaven and earth. And So when you start thinking about the different religions and you try to, try to say to yourself that all roads lead to the same place, that just can't be true because they don't sound like Christianity at all. I mean, in Christianity, God is amazing. He, he, he's almighty. He's over all things. He created all things by the word of his power, the Bible says. Think about that for a moment. All that you see in creation, the stars in the sky, and the, the beautiful surroundings here in the Klamath Basin. He created all things, but he's a personal God who, who loves you and, and cares for you. The Bible says he knew you in your mother's womb, and he knew your days before there was one of them. It says that he loved you so much that, that he was literally willing to become a human being. Uh, in Philippians chapter 2, he was willing to take on human flesh and, and suffer on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. And that for us to be made right with him, to become a follower of Jesus Christ, 
You don't have to go through rules. You don't have to go through religious performance. You don't have to go through idols or statues. It's only by faith alone in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, to me, that is a lot different. But what's interesting in our society is you can, you can talk about spiritual things. In fact, if you're a seeker, if you're a spiritual uh, person, uh, you can talk about a higher power. You can talk about God. You can talk about uh, spiritual things, and there's no controversy at all until you bring up the person of Jesus Christ. Then things get a little tense. Uh, and I think the reason is because there's a spiritual battle going on in regard to faith in Jesus Christ. You see, faith in Jesus is not just a logical battle. Faith in Jesus Christ is a spiritual battle. And the thoughts that are a part of our culture, the thoughts that become part of our life, to be honest, they aren't just our thoughts. There are demonic sources with strategies against the person of Jesus. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, it says, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. See, we're in a battle, a battle for faith. And just like there was a battle on the cross, you see, when, when Jesus was being spit upon, and brutally beaten by Roman's guards. That, that, that wasn't just a physical battle. It was a spiritual battle. It was embodying the hatred of Satan and the demonic forces that uh, rule over this world right now. And in the midst of his passion, you, you can see the passion of God's love for us and the passion for God to rescue us from the power of demonic forces and to deliver us from the power of sin that you know, we talked about last Sunday that, that deeply controls uh, each one of our lives uh, many times. Jesus wanted to set us free from the dominion of darkness and hell and set us free from literally our own self-destruction through sin. Jesus <laughs> loved us so much and it's a powerful illustration of the battle that we are in. And one of the things I love, of course, about the crucifixion is when Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. And when he said that, it was because the battle had been won. And he gave up his spirit. And of course, in that moment, the sky turned black and the earth shook. In that moment, uh, all of our sin was placed upon him. And as a result of that, he became an offering to God for our sin. And because of that, our sins can be forgiven and we can be declared not guilty. It's a powerful moment spiritually, but that battle goes on continually in the hearts and minds of people who continue to reject the person of Jesus Christ. You see, believing in Jesus, holding on to what was taught in the scripture as the foundation of our faith, believing in Jesus, is, it's a spiritual battle. And it's a battle for our will. See, one of the things about Jesus' theology, Jesus was not inclusive. Jesus was very exclusive. Uh, Jesus said in John 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. 
And Jesus said in Matthew 7, verse 13 and 14, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. And then in another place in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 and 29, Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. See, it's available to everyone, all who are weary and heavy laden, all who are tired of trying to figure it out on your own. Come to me. That's the exclusive part. And Jesus wasn't ashamed to be exclusive. So faith is not only a spiritual battle in regard to what we choose to believe in our mind, but it's a, it's a battle of our will. Are we willing to surrender our pride and our rights and our life to the person of Jesus Christ? And you know, I don't know how many of you... Uh, grew up in church, maybe, maybe you grew up hearing sermons on Easter or, or Christmas and your parents attended church a lot and now that society is changing and there are so many different ideals, you're starting to struggle with faith a little bit and I just want to encourage you, your parents' faith will never be enough for you. You need to find your own faith and your own relationship with Jesus Christ who loves you and died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins and calls you into a relationship. Jesus said, come unto me. You gotta find your own faith and your own relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe you're an older person and, and you've lived most of your life with a, a certain level of faith. Maybe you've read the Bible some or attended church a, a, a little bit and now all of a sudden, you know, you're getting a little bit older and you're, you're wondering, you're starting to doubt or maybe even wondering if one of the, some of the things that you believed at one time were true. You need to know that your theology is really important. What you think about God, what you believe about God, because it's going to affect the way you live and it's going to affect your destiny for all eternity. Your, your, your life is just temporal here on this earth, but like Ron illustrated, once your body dies, you're going to leave and you're going to live with Jesus Christ for all eternity. C.S. Lewis said, if you don't listen to good theology, that doesn't mean you don't have ideas about God. Uh, it, it, it just means you have a lot of wrong ideas. First uh, Timothy chapter 4, verse 16, the apostle Paul said to Timothy, he said, watch over your life and doctrine closely persevere in them because if you do you will save yourself and your hearers see our faith is important because our faith influences a lot of people and when you have a faith that's alive in Jesus and if it's active it's amazing how many other people it influences and helps them want to have a relationship with Jesus like you do so I want to encourage you with three things uh, before we go here this morning I want you to consider Jesus. I want you to consider his ministry. I want you to consider his miracles. And then I want you to, to consider his resurrection this morning. And in Mark chapter 2, verse 16 and 17, 
Jesus basically explains why he came. Uh, It says in Mark 2, uh, verse 16, when the scribes and Pharisees saw that Jesus was eating with sinners and tax collectors, they said to his disciples, why are you eating and drinking with tax collectors and sinners? And hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not uh, those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus didn't come for the people who had it all together. People, uh, Jesus came for people who need grace, who need help, who need mercy. Jesus came for people like me. And I would imagine Jesus probably came for people like you. Uh, Jesus came for those who religion rejected. Uh, he, he came for people who weren't righteous enough, who weren't holy enough, who, who weren't clean enough. Jesus loved those everyone else despised or sometimes even hated. And, and he welcomed those that everyone else turned away. That's the Jesus that I want to fall. Consider his ministry. Second, consider, consider his miracles, just the things he did by the power of God. He, he caused the lame to walk caused the blind to see. He cast demons out of people. Can you imagine being tormented mentally or emotionally or maybe isolated relationally just because of things that take control of you? They control your will. They control your mouth. Sometimes uh, reactions in rage or hatred literally destroying and dominating your life. Jesus came to set the captives free. He, he, he cast out demons. Jesus uh, healed people who were emotionally tormented with guilt or, or lust. He, he raised the dead. Uh, with five loaves of bread and a couple of fish, he fed more than 5,000 people simply because they were hungry. Uh, they'd been with him for three days and th- they needed to travel home and he didn't want them to faint on the way and so he was moved with compassion and he performed a miracle that certainly uh, proved he was the son of God and you know, the people who watched Jesus and watched his miracles, they didn't deny his miracles. In fact, his detractors di- didn't debate the validity of his miracles. They just wanted him to stop. <laughs> they were making him look bad. They, they, they said, by what power are you doing this? And of course, the reason they said that they, is they had no power. They had no intimacy or relationship with God, and he was making them look bad. And and so they, they didn't deny his miracles. They just wanted him to stop. And, you know, the same is true today. There, there are a lot of miracles. And, you know, many of you who are watching have experienced a miracle uh, with Jesus. And uh, you've been touched by his power in a, in a miraculous way. And, and because of that, you've got something to share with others. And I'm so thankful that God is still at work in our lives. The Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So consider his ministry, uh, consider his miracles, and then consider the resurrection. Now this is by far the greatest miracle ever in the history of the world. Uh, Jesus' life was like no other. I, I mean, Jesus, I think many of you know the Christmas story, Jesus was conceived in the womb of a young woman named Mary uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And because of that, uh, he had no sin in his life and he lived without sin. And of course, uh, then he uh, died on the cross to pay the penalty uh, for our sins. 
You know, the moment that Jesus died, suddenly the power of God was demonstrated all around the earth as the sky went black and as the earth shook. Jesus died for people who spit on him. And there was something that the Roman soldier that crucified Jesus said. He stood there at his feet and saw the way Jesus died. He saw the moral courage that he had. He saw the love and the forgiveness that he had. The Roman guard said, this man is no ordinary man. This man is truly the son of God. And three days later, just as Jesus predicted two years earlier back in the Gospel of John chapter 2, three days later, the women who were following Jesus went to the tomb and it was empty because Jesus was alive. Jesus had said two years earlier, destroy this body and I will raise it again in three days. So I want you to consider the resurrection of Jesus because it was the resurrection that changed the lives of all the people that were following him. In fact, think of Peter. I mean, Peter's the one, of course, who had denied the Lord uh, three times. And, you know, you, you can imagine he's there at a fire the night that Jesus was arrested. There's, there's a slave girl, and she says, aren't you one of them? And he says, no, I'm not. And then there was a soldier who said, didn't I see you in the garden? And he said, no. I don't know him. <laughs> and then uh, someone else says, surely you're one of his followers. You're a Galilean also. He could tell from his accent where he was from. And, and Peter literally said, I have never known the man. And he swore on an oath uh, that he didn't know who Jesus was. That Peter, who by the way, uh, ends up being a lot like us sometimes, uh, just the courage it takes to be a follower of Jesus Christ. That Peter was changed because he witnessed the power of the resurrection. In fact, in Acts chapter 3, verse 15, Peter stood up in front of a crowd uh, in the power of the Holy Spirit, and he said, you killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses of these things. I mean, they had seen the power of the resurrection, and that's what changed and transformed uh, the early disciples' life. And of course, it was the Holy Spirit who came and gave them boldness to stand up and preach, but it was the reality of the resurrection. And you know, there, there are people uh, who say the disciples uh, stole Jesus' body, and that's the reason that the tomb was empty, you know. I don't know about you, but I just want, maybe you're a rational person. I want you to think about 11 guys uh, who weren't trained at all in handling a sword or a spear, overtaking Roman guards, a detachment, which was a pretty large group of men, and uh, had been professionally trained, and were literally guarding that tomb at the risk of of their life. If, if, if Jesus' body was missing, that meant that they were going to be killed and uh, I, I can't imagine that they had the ability to somehow steal his body. And not only that, but, but after uh, he rose from the dead, every one of them, uh, except for John who died later in his life, and of course G Judas who took his life, every one of them became martyred uh, for their faith in Jesus Christ. Can you imagine being willing to be martyred for a lie? I mean, if it was just a story they made up, 
But every one of them, some of you are familiar with Peter, he was martyred upside down because uh, he was crucified upside down because he didn't feel worthy to be crucified uh, like Jesus. Thomas, one of my favorites. Uh, I love Thomas because Thomas is referred to as the doubter. Uh, He was the one who, you know, after Jesus rose from the dead and appeared to the disciples, and uh, the disciples tried to convince uh, Thomas that they had seen him because Thomas wasn't there when he had appeared. He said, unless I see his hands or see the hole in his side, I won't believe. And aren't you thankful for Jesus' patience and love? Uh, Later, Jesus appeared to Thomas when they were together as the disciples. And Jesus said, Thomas, put your finger here and put your hand in my side. He said, stop doubting and believe. And of course, Thomas fell down and he worshiped and he said, my Lord and, and my God. You know, Thomas was martyred. He had an opportunity to deny his faith. He became a missionary to India. And uh, when he had an opportunity to stand up for his faith and be killed, he wasn't willing to deny that Jesus had risen from the dead and they, they ran him through with a sword. You know, as we're concluding here this morning, maybe you're someone who you struggle just with the testimony of other people. Uh, maybe you struggle with my testimony or testimony of your parents or maybe testimony of a, a, a friend. Maybe you're like Thomas. It's, it's not that you don't believe. You just need your own experience with Jesus and your own revelation of him. I just want to encourage you to ask. Jesus said, ask and it'll be given. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open. For if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And you need the Holy Spirit to come and to reveal the person of Jesus to you and, and to help you with your faith. And I really believe he's more than willing to come if you're willing to ask. So I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up here this morning as we uh, prepare to close the service this morning. We have got a, a great song for you to conclude with. It's called All Hail King Jesus. And I'd, I'd love for you to take a moment and worship again before we go. You might be listening... Um, Maybe you're a little on the fence right now in regard to your faith. Maybe you did have faith at one time or you thought you believed, but you've been struggling a little bit. I want to encourage you. Ask Jesus to reveal himself to you. Make a decision to dive in and find out the truth about who Jesus is. Maybe you're a little bit older and you've been kind of drifting in your faith. Maybe this morning is a time for you to rededicate your faith uh, in Jesus Christ. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And he, and he said that not, not to people who aren't believers. He said it to Christians. And, you know, we can get comfortable in our faith and literally come to a place where we're not that open anymore. And Jesus is the one who knocks. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. And I want to encourage you to come to him this morning. Open up your heart and and ask him to come in and fill you fresh with the power of the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to stand together, if you'd like to, and, and, and worship before we go. But Heavenly Father, uh, here this morning, I want to thank you for the privilege of celebrating the resurrection today. Lord, I thank you for my brothers and sisters uh, here in the sanctuary who are, who are able to help us uh, worship together. Lord, I want to thank you for what you're doing uh, during this season in our 
nation and our world's history. But Lord, there's something about each one of our faith that's so important. This battle that we're in. Lord, I hope Ron's testimony helped us see that there is life beyond this earth and that our lives really are so short, so temporary. Lord, I want to ask you to help us with our faith. We want to live with you for all eternity. And Lord, for those who are younger, I just ask you to help them make a decision to commit their heart and their life to you, Jesus, to become a follower and to walk with you all the days of their life. Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you for your presence here. We thank you for your love. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And uh, as we close, we just say amen with me.